0: This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel
1: forward thinking farming. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy podcast. This is Brian Schrader, agronomist for the east side of the state, joined as always by my co-host, Carl Joran from Western Indiana and Eastern Illinois. Hello, Carl. How are you today? I'm doing great, Brian Schrader. How about yourself? well pretty good uh you know we're uh have pretty well got harvest put to bed and that's i think a little bit of the subject of our uh, podcast today as well Uh, we've worked our way through the purdue big 10 football schedule at this point have had andrew farrell on to talk about oak and bucket game and about new products and so it's time that we give our final update on the 2023 product draft that you and the other agronomists did many weeks ago now. And so uh, wanted to make sure that we got that put out there. So those folks that have uh, waited with bated breath know what products uh, tended to uh, come to the top, if you will. And so with that, um, I guess anything as you have started to look at the data besides just the numbers, that has jumped out to you that maybe we want to start the conversation off with
0: yeah, no, it's a it's a good question, Brian. Um, this this hybrid draft it, it is kind of fun in terms of bringing information to the podcast in a different way. But the way that I think about it is just how do you, how does one evaluate performance data? You know, how how do we get some juice out of you know if your local pioneer sales professional puts out an eight number, twelve number plot? What do you do with that besides looking at it on a sheet of paper in your respective county? How how do we get some extra value out of it and And those have been longtime listeners recognize, um, you know, this is not going to be new hat for them. But the power of predicting future performance comes from several locations and they have to be relevant locations, right? We're not talking about looking in western Iowa and eastern Ohio. Yes, that can help inform some stuff on a very broad scale. But when it comes to your locale, it's important to evaluate um, plots, products that are close to home, um, that you've had a number of looks at them. No different than you evaluating performance on your own farm. Um, If you had a, a 40 of one product and it did really well this year, you might say, I'd like to put that across more acres next year. And that's great. The only difference is, well, what if 2024 looks a lot different from 2023? Do we have a product that's set up to be successful in a different environment And um, that's that's kind of the concept Of this hybrid draft Is providing the insights of Which products are performing well Consistently over a large Geography but a relevant Geography to you all And so just to kind of reframe the conversation All this data comes from the state Of Indiana and the eastern Section of the state of Illinois With more akin soil types To what we have in, in western Indiana So looking at similar Geography um, with respect to productivity and environments, uh, different stress indices, all all that stuff is, it's all relevant. And so, what you tease out as you evaluate this type of data set is which products are consistently rising to the top. And those are the ones that are getting the most points. So just to remind folks at home, if you take first place in a plot, you get five points, third place, you get three points, yada, yada, yada. And so we're we're trying to we're trying to flesh out what the cream is rising to the top here. You asked, is there anything beyond the numbers that's jumping out to me from this experience as we're doing this for second year? Um, the dominance of of a one product in particular, there were a couple that that we were seeing very early on. And the question is always, in my mind, how representative is that early harvest result? As you nose into your first couple of fields, is this representative of what you're going to be shelling in the month of November? And that's that's what's been fun to see in terms of rank order and, and product performance, because as one would assume, Southwest Indiana is going to start Harvest a heck of a lot sooner than we we are in northeast Indiana for 2023 crop, and what they use in southwest Indiana is a lot different than what you guys use in northeast Indiana from a maturity standpoint and productivity, yep. all that good stuff. But but what's been really interesting to see is um is the products that are really carrying through nicely have been shining across all geographies. And that first quarter we look took a look at um, in mid October, those are the same products that are showing up up here as we close out the uh, the hybrid draft standings for for the full full outlook for 2023
1: yeah I think something else to point out as we you kind of led into this idea that it's really about the number of locations and that's rather than doing a deep dive in the statistical analysis with least standard deviation and some of those kind of thing that's what we're basically doing by looking at all of these locations That's really what you're teasing out for us. But I also think it's important to realize that we ask a lot of questions about performance, uh, whether it's us as agronomists or whether it's customers and growers. And I always caution folks, make sure that those questions that you're asking, you have the relevant data. You're looking at with the hybrid draft, how things performed in plots. But there's no data that you're using for analysis on planning date or harvest date or any of those things. And so if we use this data set that you've got to try to answer what the appropriate or best planning window was, we can't answer that question with the data set that you have for the draft. And so I just want to caution everybody, don't try to answer questions that you don't have the data for in a particular data set. And that we can do that. We have the ability as pioneer agronomists uh, through some of the software packages that we have access to, to be able to ask those questions and then find those answers with the data we have in the system. But not every data set will answer every question that we have. And so I just, I always caution folks, make sure that you have the data set that you need in order to answer the questions that you're asking. Just That's I guess as, as a side note, but, but important to note that you know those questions are incredibly important. This just isn't the podcast where we answer those particular questions, given the data set that you've got.
0: Fair, that that is very fair, and, and you know we talked about the power of locations because that that gives you this the critical mass from a statistics standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you look at two locations to actually identify the difference between genetics. As the variable that's that's um, contributing to yield difference. You, that 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 difference has to be far greater. I don't know if it's I can't recall offhand, Brian. If it's fifteen bushels that you have to actually have in two locations yeah. to believe it, and yeah. to have you know more than fifteen bushels in a field setting, obviously that catches your eye. But it's it's less frequent um, as you go out to call it fifteen locations. Then maybe it's closer to you have to have two bushels. Uh, again, I'm pulling these numbers out of there, but I think directionally, it's it, yeah. it's where you're getting to the power of uh, of comparing uh and 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 flushing out the difference between field variability and genetic variance correct
1: yield yeah as a young pioneer agronomist i was taught very early in my career that the number of locations or environments that you want to test should be at least 30 locations if you have 30 locations and you have a three bushel difference between those two locations the confidence that you're selecting the correct product is 75%. If you have six bushel difference between those two in 30 locations, it's 90% confidence. And if you have a 12 bushel difference per acre between those two products in 30 locations, your confidence is 95%. And so to your point, larger gaps. But the number that I always look for as a pioneer agronomist in that relevant geography you're talking about is ideally I want to see at least 30 locations. That's the number that as an agronomist I look for and hope for. When we have that uh, less than that number, then our confidence goes down, especially if. We have as you mentioned those differences are smaller so if you've only got one location obviously and it's one bushel difference it's a 50 50 is basically what it is it's actually 51 49 you've got to get up to 12 with one location 12 bushel difference in one location and you're still only 60 percent so there's still a chance that you chose the wrong product 40 percent of the time so that just gives you a little perspective on on the difference
0: exactly what the doctor ordered. Now that was put very eloquently. So thank you for um, for what that would take. Uh, probably a couple weeks of statistics lectures and practicum and and uh, recitation. If if you're thinking about how to actually distill it down to what Brian just did there in a three minute uh, conversation with with uh, you on the other end here. So um, I know you didn't pay your tuition bill for this week, but but just know that that um, that 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 was uh, that was very well stated, Brian, and, and very relevant the... as
1: folks are making decisions this time of year. I can tell you from my statistics class back at Purdue and the grade I got, um, you, I didn't get my money's worth in that class. So. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, so, I, was, I was a very
0: average statistician okay. in the eyes of Purdue, if you're picking yep. up what I'm putting down. <laughs> no, I definitely,
1: definitely understand. So with that, maybe let's pivot a little bit, Carl. We had a lot of fun, obviously, with these drafts. I wasn't able to participate because of a, a schedule conflict in 23, but you've obviously got the agronomists that come on, have a lot of personality in that. Uh, some of our faithful listeners will remember that the hybrid draft was actually our colleague Kyle Quick's very first appearance on the podcast. He'd been on the job maybe a handful of days when he decided to participate. But um, maybe, I guess, let's get the update where we ended up, who our winner was, both in terms of agronomist and product, and uh, go from there. So start Absolutely. us off here. Okay, well, we we
0: decided to close the data set here at 200 locations. Um, So, you know, I was speaking to the power of of um, looking at your one county plot result and what what value to put into that. Well, just, you know, however much credence you put in that closest plot to you, I ask you to put almost 100 times more faith in terms of the the confidence you can put into uh, into this now. The, the results I'm going to roll out to you are, uh, they're the results of 2023. They do lend themselves to predicting somewhat of what we'd expect for 2024, but to zoom out and have even more predicting power, that's where the uh, the value of multi-year data, because you encompass more environments. I can say directionally, because we've done that analysis as well in preparation for our um, bringing that insight to your farm as we put together a pioneer proposal for for the 2024 planting season, all of that is is part of the process here but but is outside of the scope of what i'm going to reveal to you so paying off the t's 200 locations across the state of indiana and the eastern uh component of illinois um you were looking at 1742 bringing home uh a lot of bacon um unprecedented amount of points uh scored i said we had 200 plots In those 200 plots, we had 1742 taking first place 56 times and second place 15 times. Uh, There was no other hybrid that got um, anywhere close to that in terms of first place finishes. Uh, 1742, I I wish we had a greater depth of perspective in terms of evaluating through the lens of the hybrid draft because I don't know that we're going to see this repeated anytime soon. That That is quite a dominant run. Um, And know that there are a good number of those 200 locations that 1742 was not included in just due to its maturity. and so, uh, for those folks that are that are uh, hearing Pioneer talk about 117-day hybrid, yes, know that as far as up to the lakeshore where we have it, um, it doesn't fade into being, you know, too full of seasoned corn. It's it's still taking first or second place in a number of those those locations as you, as you approach uh, uh, like Michigan there. So 1742, a commanding lead, and um, you know, through that, uh, it's it's pretty much impossible for anybody to. Have uh, cobbled together other products to surpass that in the way of a team. So uh, that that handed Pat Ray the victory. Pat, hailing from um, Bloomington, Illinois, is our Eastern Illinois agronomist representative uh, this year. So Pat is our he is our our champion in terms of the hybrid draft this year, riding the wave of seventeen forty two. Uh, so Brian, as you were to take a look at, uh, how the hybrid draft order came through, like you said, Kyle quick, we pretty wet behind the ears in terms of learning the pioneer lineup. He did probably what any of us would have done with the first draft pick take last year's champion in sure. the way of 1136. And, um, between him doing that taking 1136 in the first round and another 117 day product that did very well this last year 1718 uh Kyle Quick finds himself in second place um, with 277 points uh, as a total, so Pat Ray uh, wins it all with 420, but a large share of that coming from 1742. So sure. those are your uh, those are your gold and silver uh, takers for right. for the for the draft. But I think what's of more interest to the listeners and where you get more value out of the exercise is which Pioneer hybrids, which Pioneer hybrid families racked up the the greatest amount of toy uh, points. And when I say families, that means that. You know, if we had an acre max product for above ground protection, but it also has a chrome component or a waxy um, component, all of those gets lumped together as part of the hybrid family. That was just the way we chose to cut it up this year. Um, for the sake of interest and in, and in strategy, if you will. So, going down the list in terms of what what were the best pioneer products in our plots this year, uh, you had 1742 coming to the top uh, with 379 P14830, which is an acre max Leptra product for western bean cutworm and cornier worm control, in addition to a chrome product, uh, takes second place with 206 points. So, uh, those two fuller season hybrids definitely stood out. Out amongst the uh, amongst the rest of the the rest of the group there. And um, for folks that are in you know a more northern latitude, uh, 114 day hybrid is maybe a little bit more palatable than 117 day from a fuller season stretching stretching things out. So uh, I, I think that's a nice add to the lineup. As you go down from there, A couple of a couple of favorites uh, and new flavors. You see three different advancement classes represented here in 1222 from two years ago, taking third place 1383 from two years ago, taking second place and 10811 from one year ago. Uh, taking fifth place and those three hybrids are separated by um, just a you know uh, just shy of a dozen points here so um, an impressive showing amongst that that group of five but I will rattle off the list here in terms of uh, other products because I I don't want anyone to um, lose faith in some of their favorite products and where they stacked up in here it's just when you have so many hybrids across 200 plots, uh, you start to get a little dilution factor based on maturity and bias there. So after 10, 8, 11, you see 11:36 last year's top of the hill um, show up in sixth place, uh, then 9:24, um, 50 points behind that with 121 in total um, showing up in seventh place. I had mentioned 17:18, another great full season hybrid that we use a lot on the silage acre. Um, in eighth place, followed by 953, one of our largest volume products, um, one that had we have done the hybrid draft in the year 2021 would have run away with it. Um, And then as you go down from there, uh, a few that are going to be more familiar as you track west into the state of Illinois, but want to pay that off as well. Um, Those hybrids being 1170, which is growing in popularity in southern Indiana as a nice stress tolerant, rugged hybrid that has nice upside uh, from a yield potential p10477 a chrome uh, product that's been one that's looked very good uh in locations across my geography and has had very good performance as you take a look just within the the western district of Ileana and then some some fan favorites uh, 720 um, the the product that's taking some of 720s acres now 859 um, those all those all make their way in uh, north of 50 points there so um, really nice really nice cluster of 14 hybrids there uh, in terms of performance but uh, for those of you that that had a friendly wager with your agronomist in terms of where they're going to finish out, for the corn hybrid draft evaluate product performance um, we can go ahead and shake that out for you the standings finished with uh, as i said first second place for pat ray and kyle quick yours truly comes into third place if memory serves i had the third pick so taking third place uh, something that i can i can rest easy with but we have not seen these standings shake up at all um, uh, at least one through four here since the very first cut of the data. Um, Jason Geist takes fourth place with his twelve twenty-two and fifteen seven eighty-four combination, and and then this is where things started to change up a little bit. Uh, you got Lance Shepard um, north of you, Brian, that comes in with uh, thirteen eighty-three and P um, doing very well. Our uh, esteemed. Product agronomist Andrew Farrell uh, came in with 10811 and 1677, a hybrid they're using more in uh, southern Indiana that also looks to have pretty compelling silage data for those uh, those acres represented on the podcast. Nick Hedden with his dueling 109 days comes in at seventh place. Paul Yoder, um, part of the southern district of, uh, of Ileana, comes in at 8th place, followed by Brian Early, um, who took some earlier hybrids in the way of 1027 and 859, gets ninth place. Cody Pettit um, taking a couple of Illinois-biased products, um, I think is what left him out in the cold for 10th place, Uh, just didn't have those products in as many locations. And Ben Jacob um, winds up in 11th place with a couple of 113 day products so that is uh that's how the hybrid draft shook out this year brian um for folks that st- with it and we're looking forward to the payoff and results there you have it if you want the full comprehensive deep dive you give me a phone call because I know that uh somebody reading through uh, a spreadsheet of, uh, of hybrid performance data makes for less compelling radio less compelling podcasting here so we'll uh yep. we'll go ahead and leave it there
1: all right well congratulations to Pat um I don't think anyone even though we knew 1742 for those folks with uh uh late season desire was going to be a good hybrid i don't think anyone expected uh 1742 to perform this year like it has uh performed and so congratulations to pat and uh to whoever the pioneer breeder is that developed 1742 that's right Uh, that's uh that's going to be a hybrid that a lot of folks will be talking about in 23 this winter but also planning for in 24 as well certainly so Well, I guess, realistically, we've covered what we needed to cover around the draft. Uh, Hopefully, we'll uh, be able to do this uh, as we move into uh, planning 24 again. Um, I guess any final comments or thoughts that you have around the draft after you've uh, done anything that we haven't uh, covered yet, Carl?
0: You know, Brian, I I mentioned the the value of taking a look at a lot of locations and we talked about the value of looking across a lot of years just for folks to, to rest easy. Um, In terms of three-year data, products that I see shining uh, significantly, and if I don't include a product on this list, it does not mean it doesn't have a significant yield advantage over other Pioneer products and competitive brands in the marketplace, but ones as I take a look at three-year data that are really rising to the top, uh, 1742 uh, comes to mind. Just just know that that is not a one-hit wonder corn. Same with 14830. Uh, similar sentiments there, uh, and as you look across the rest of the lineup, um, you get into uh, I mentioned uh, ten four seventy seven uh, for those that that are looking for corn rootworm protection, ten eight eleven for those as you track east across the state of Indiana, um, moving out of Illinois. Uh, in addition to 4, 5, 11 with that 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 eastern um, part of the state and 0035, those are those are some of the more dominant performances that I'm seeing across three-year data set. And when I say dominant, that means I'm looking at double-digit um, performance advantages over anything else in a Pioneer bag. So there's plenty of stuff that we would consider if you had five-dollar corn and half a dozen bushels, you're looking at a a thirty-dollar an acre advantage, but we would have to continue the podcast for a little bit longer if I were to get that deep of a dive. Right. So sure. just just a few highlights in the way of three
1: year performance data, looking across relevant geography for us. Yeah, and and certainly uh, our listeners will be able to get a taste of this uh, as their agronomists uh, do winter meetings. We always, you know, touch on some of these kind of uh, items and give reports, and then certainly sales reps. Uh, have a good amount of uh, yield data at their fingertips available. Either they can pull reports or their agronomist will help provide them data. And so this geography that we've spoken about a number of times, that can be set a little bit uniquely for each agronomist and for uh, realistically each grower if they you know want to get into it that, that granularly, I guess, would be the way to say it. Um, but certainly I would also caution everyone. Try to make sure that you're looking beyond just three or four plots in your local county. It's a nice place to start, but we have to expand out from there with data sets very much like what you've shared uh, with us today uh, on the draft. And Brian, we, we would all agree that looking at a few
0: plots is better than looking at no plots and just following the 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 advice of whomever you're working with in your seed decisions blindly. And part of why we 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 believe in looking at several locations is because we have the ability to, right? Pioneer invests a lot of time and resources in our cooperators that partner with us to put these plots together, it is no small feat. And so we're spoiled with the ability to look at a lot of locations. You go on to And I will say any brand's website and you put in a geography of interest to you, I promise you're not going to come up with half the number of locations that would show up on pioneer.com. And so we're, we're spoiled in that way of being able to comprehensively look at yield and performance data. Um, But another theme we try to draw into the podcast with a lot of our, um, a lot of our guests is that looking at numbers in a plot or on a spreadsheet only tells part of the story right the value of your pioneer team is is the evaluation of those products with boots on the ground and that's a that's another key differentiator so don't don't follow plot performance alone Um, and like you said the cut of data Based on the geography is always with the interest of the growers in the locale we're serving, um, but that 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 is different um, as you go across different parts of the state. And so, know yeah. that uh, coming up with a performance message for an entire area, um, a state, and a quarter encompass that that's pretty tough to do in broad strokes. But part of what we set out to accomplish with the hybrid draft
1: here and in, in evaluating results today. Yeah, and if you are hearing the podcast and you have not participated in a Pioneer plot or you do a plot and you were willing uh, to allow us the privilege of having that data, uh, a couple of comments I'll make just quickly. One, the days of having to weigh a plot with a weigh wagon are gone. Many of those plots that you've referenced were in put into the system through um, yield monitor data, so we can do that, and so if you've got a plot – uh, and you don't want to quote-unquote take the time to do a way wagon, we have the ability to get the data from the yield monitor. And so if you're doing a plot and you're willing, uh, we would love to have that as a part of our data set, uh, good or bad. Uh, we learn just as much from plots where we lose as we do plots that we win. And so uh, always a critique of folks that maybe are a little concerned about performance data, and they always, well, you always win your plot. Well, I can share with you over the years, that's not always the case. That's um, right. And, and then the other item I would say is that, uh, we referenced no individual location and no grower names today. And we have the ability to, um, put those in anonymously, if you will. Yeah. And so that that can't be traced back to a grower who wants to keep that information private, but understands the value that comes from that comparison data as well. And so if you're a grower and you're interested in helping us out, I would encourage you to talk to your sales rep or your agronomist the next time you see them and uh, have a conversation about maybe becoming a pilot plot cooperator for us it's I think there's a lot of value in that for you as a grower but also certainly for us as agronomists uh, to be able to expand that data set beyond just uh, typical locations that we've done
0: most definitely well well said Brian
1: all right, Carl. Well, I think we'll uh, put a bow on this one. Thank you very much uh, for doing this. It uh, takes a little bit of work on your part to be able to coordinate the draft. You've done that the last two years and the analysis that goes into that, that uh, requires some um weekly work if you will in order to get that put together and so thank you for doing that carl it's always uh, enjoyable to get the reports and to hear what is performing and so i guess with that if someone did hear something uh in the draft results special uh that they're interested in reaching out to you on how can they get a hold of you to maybe talk a little bit more about some of this performance data
0: for sure, yeah. Please, please do. Um, on X at Cjorn, that's C J O E R N, and on Facebook at Seajorn Agronomy, would be happy to share anything that would catch someone's interest. Excellent. And Brian, how about you?
1: Yep, you can catch me on Instagram at B underscore K underscore Schrader, and Schrader is S H R A D E R. And so with that, we'll call it an episode. Uh, We thank you for tuning in to uh, this episode and the draft report and uh, the performance evaluation of products for 2023. We look forward to uh, talking to you soon. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.